Before your words of encouragement and well-timed advice, before items gifted at beyond an arm's length, did you ever consider the one thing that might turn the entire world on its axis? Your undivided and so still attention. Nick Askew. something about hearing a poem <laughs> over reading a poem that was just lovely um I read that and I loved it and then I heard you say it and I loved it even more and that was the beautiful voice of Jim McNeish who is here with Christy Mack Christy Mack and we're back from the future <laughs> we are we are yes that little device <laughs> that was just that was, you know, that wasn't planned, but it, it took its places. So how, mm. how are you, McNeish? Yeah, little whiplash from um, getting back in, but I'm um, doing okay. Um, I'm doing good. Um, I'm, I'm loving what we're seeing with the numbers and vaccinations. I'm feeling hopeful. We've got new things going on in the business here and all that's really good. But also mixed in that I cancelled my Miami trip at the end of April. And um, that was an indicator that, you know, we had that as a, a hopeful flag in the sand that surely, surely by this time, but looking at the reality of it, it doesn't feel like it is going to happen. So I spoke to the client and and, and we cancelled it until the summer or, or later. Uh, we'll do it then. But <clears throat> it felt like, oh, yeah, that's um, that's tough. You know, like kind of it was an indicator that it's going to take that bit longer, isn't it, before we start getting some kind of movement. Um, but, you know, if that's all I've got to complain about, which it is, to be honest, it's been beautiful weather. There's been lovely walks and good things happening. And I'm now 14 stone rather than 17 stone four. Can he, can he go sideways? I can't I, that for that. I have to watch when I'm walking past Gundy's. Um, so I'm doing all right. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. I'm sitting here, as you can see, in the sun. Mm -hmm. I mean, it sounds like I've travelled somewhere, but... Sun and Glasgow in the same sentence. Uh, yeah, my, my computer overheated yesterday before I was about to do a session, which I think is hilarious. Nobody believed <laughs> I was in Glasgow. And I was like, genuinely, my computer is not working because the sun is... Um, so it's beautiful and snowy. And this snowiness has brought a jubilancy um, yeah. to the Glasgow folk. I think we've got the opposite of Tapsa. Everything's on. Um, <laughs> and we're skiing in the park. Um, the ski in the park, Glasgow. which I think is hilarious. You walk, you know, like down Kelvin Grove Park and it's undulating and you go along and someone skis over your head and you're like, I don't, that's no physical distance. Come on. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that is, it's fun actually. To see. That's great. There's a little bit of joy and I think hopefulness. You said hope a couple of times and I think even my parents getting the vaccination and that was that's hopeful great. and just and we're weird, two weeks off it? spring, you know, like spring for me is I when March know. starts. I know, I know we can get snow in April, but I always kind of divide the year up. And when March comes along, I'm like, come on, we're really into spring. And that's just a couple of weeks away. I, I, but yes, which I still don't understand. <laughs> Mid-February, mid Jim McNeish. I know. But is that a grace that this winter's gone so quickly? Yes. Yeah. It's far away, but yeah. There's a grace in it in terms of... We're moving at pace and we're moving in the right direction. But tell us, Kirsty Mack, what are we talking about today? Well, we had a bit of a ride um, when we went um, forward. And as we come backwards, there was probably some key themes that we heard and, and saw and observed in the year that we're having before us. And one of them was about 
um, leadership in the forum, and not necessarily to genderize it. We're, we talked a little bit about female and male leaders. We talked about Merkel and and when when she leaves us in her position and the current locatedness of where she is. Um, but we will still hunt her down. But just yeah. really thinking about female and male leadership, uh, feminine, maybe and maybe it's not that, maybe we'll talk about that. Is it gender actually, or are there some traits that we're seeing? And so maybe more, so there's that dualism or is it feminine and masculine leadership? Um, and it has really shone a light, you know, we've seen emergent themes, probably both positive and negative with regards to female leadership. Mm -hmm. um, we see female leaders and everyone's just had a little Jacinda Ardern um, image yeah. just pop up in their head, just ah, um, really shining a light on the compassion and the way in which they handled the pandemic. And there's multiple yeah. stats that we can talk about with regards to that. But also, um, a lot of statistics demonstrating that the disparity is changing um, or the disparity is, is getting worse in the fact of, you know, a lot, and we definitely see statistics coming out of America, a lot of females leaving their jobs because of the strain of, of, of balancing everything in terms yeah. of the unpaid care and the unpaid work that is done with, with a family. Um, but, so there's, there's real wondrous possibility with a slight, tinge of yeah well the word that came to me was disappointment actually but um but yeah I, I think that I think yeah we're we're kind of tuning into the Dalai Lama I think it was 2008 when he said the world will be saved by the western women mm. and isn't that interesting just to see the handling of the crisis with some of the female leaders I am um, did a little note out to twitter because at the beginning of lockdown, I really was avoiding news and I was avoiding being overwhelmed by it just a little bit in the morning and then protecting myself. But as, as the years gone on, I've become increasingly interested in what's happening. And I think it's because I'm becoming increasingly hopeful. Um, and therefore, I feel like I've got a, a, a base in which I can absorb. And so I said, who's I just went out to, to the, the Twitter sphere and said, who's who's a leader in communicating to us about COVID? And it was um, a professor, Devi Shridhar, that okay. her name came back from multiple sources. And so she's the professor and chair of global public health at Edinburgh University. Oh. Um, and just so, and so I've, I've tuned into her. And, um, yeah, so Devi Shridhar, S-R-I-D-H-A-R. Devi. And... Um, uh, Oh, what an impressive individual this is! You know, when you're when you want some reason and you want, some, you know, like in in one tiny tweet, she made sense to me about why herd immunity makes no sense. Wow. You know, so she did this tweet that said, "No to herd immunity." You know, how many variants do you want? Done. Mm, yeah, yeah. How many variants do you want by just saying, "Let's get everybody infected"? What do you think? Do you think that's just going to do it? And, you know, so people still going on. So I really have enjoyed her um, and been informed by her when she's been doing her work. Um, but I've also been really struck by, and this is, I guess I'm interested in if we explore this at some point, is that occasionally though, she'll do something 
which all leaders need to do, which is they 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 show you a little bit of themselves. And so you'll get her eating ice cream or you'll get her having a bit of a dessert or having fun and stuff. And so she's got this very human trait, which she will then be attacked for. Do you think it's do you think it's okay to show people cake when there's an obesity crisis? Yeah. And I guess I'm wondering is is that misogyny or is that a power attack? You know, is that is that something, would a man get that in the same way? Maybe he does. But there's something about it that just smacks a little bit of people not enjoying potentially a woman taking that kind of leadership, powerful stance, and then having fun with it and playing with it and kind of bringing some of your personality in. And um, yeah, so it's a question in a minute. It's not a kind of assertion, but it did feel to me that it did smack a little bit of misogyny that that actually didn't enjoy her, didn't enjoy her being a leader or didn't enjoy the status that she's achieved because there's a lot of people do follow her and a lot of people love her teaching and her care. She's just a big, big sort of statesman-like leader, you know? That's curious. I was, I was my head was going to the side there because I was having a conversation with, um, Elizabeth the other day. Hey Elizabeth, because I know she listens. Um, Hello Elizabeth. And she was saying, she said, I find it really interesting. Oh, we're going to politics now. Where am I going? Um, that Nicola Sturgeon does get attacked a lot by her own party. And does Boris Johnson get attacked by his own party per se? And so is that exactly the same thing? Is it because is that gender? Um, is that the way that we're wired or? I don't know. It seems that there's maybe my lens is I'm looking for it and it seems to be happening more from a female perspective. Um, but yeah, I think the question is a valid, valid question. We should at least be allowed to ask the question. Yes. That's yes. the least we should be allowed is to be able to ask the question, is it misogyny? Some people have no tolerance even of the question. You know, whereas let's at least ask that question and be curious. Yeah. And, and I, I saw that in some of, again, on social media for, you know, we see with countries with women in leadership and we've seen many different stats and many different, so the Forbes article at Harvard Business Review, many, um, the Guardian wrote a nice article as well, but that those countries that are led by women have suffered, suffered six times fewer confirmed deaths from COVID than mm-hmm. countries led by men. And, you know, Jacinda has, has definitely been hailed as a leader to follow. Um, but curiously, when you see anything about Jacinda on um, LinkedIn, the vitriol that exists with it as well is very, very strong to that point of, well, it is just an island. So it was easier to do that, or it was just a, or she could have, or really, very strong, feminine, sometimes quite cruel messages, mm-hmm. um, and certainly coming from the opposite gender. It is, isn't it? It's, it's, <clears throat> I get my fear in, in all of this is that we just make more sophisticated the prejudices that are already there or the differences, so that they switch and turn around, but they still keep it different kind of rules for folks, you know, like just what a man or a woman gets away with in certain circumstances. And sometimes, you know, you'll see it flip, you know, with um, sometimes some of these female judges on the talent shows will 
whistle at a good-looking guy or ask him to take his shirt off. Now, Amanda Holden might get away with that, but Simon Cowell wouldn't. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like that's that. There's there's a new kind of set of rules, and some might say, mm-hmm. "Hey, that's balancing things a bit," because it used to be that it was, you know, Miss Hot Pants, nineteen seventy, that was kind of getting, and that was actually a thing up here in Scotland. Um, and um, just sorry, just the thought of you saying Miss Hot Pants, nineteen seventy, and my leadership calendar. Calendar, yeah, one of my team was in it, um, and uh, you'll know, you'll know who. Um, and um, anyway, like it used to be that that was all the kind of acceptable thing, and then now it's kind of switched to this. But has it switched, or a who's who's encouraging that behind the scenes? Who's who's hamfistedly trying to create a balance there that actually doesn't service those things either, and and where. Why do we need to have these different standards for for both and and where we can and can't go? Can we start to just create that little bit more integrated mix between the two or is it it always going to be this way of thinking? I love what you said about we can at least ask the question because it feels like I even feel myself muting myself before I say what I'm going to say. You know, I'm kind of like, actually, you know, do I want to say this? Do I want to put this in a podcast? Do I want to have this? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, this so is, I, yeah, you know, we we're talking this politics. Is thinnest, this is our thinnest ice. It really is. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. And and so I'm finding myself going, muting myself a little and going, no, actually, yeah, you're right. We Can we ask the question? Can, and, it, and it is just, it's, it's, you know, there are, we, we, I don't have any answers for it, but I think asking the question and being curious and understanding perspectives, I think, starts us opening up, as you say, opening up yeah. that debate, giving us and, a different lens. And there has to be, because there's easy places to, there's easy places to stand in this. So you've got Anderson and Hansen's 2011 report, mm-hmm. um, academic report that said, actually, there is no real difference in men and women's leadership capabilities. When they're at executive level, they all score very roughly on the same things. Um, but then you also look at the fact that um, Institute for Women's Leadership says that there's now only 24% of women in leadership positions globally, 51% in China, interestingly mm-hmm. enough. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. But um, 24% leadership globally. So something's going on. Something is going on and... Um, I'm really, I'm really interested in what it is because the easier places to stand is to say, oh no, we're talking about feminine and masculine energy. Yeah. That's an easier place to stand. We can say that. We can say actually there's no you know, perceivable difference. So therefore that's another easy place to, to stand. Um, so why do so many women still experience feeling under siege in a patricide, in an organization, sometimes the only woman around that executive table? Yeah. Um, why do they experience what they experience in the work? Because you and I both coach senior women mm-hmm. and we know how they experience mm-hmm. being in that workplace. And so let's not, let's not stand in the easy place. Let's look at the fact that only 24% of leadership positions have women in them. Yeah. Yeah. And I was listening to um, 
there's a couple of things going on in my head here. I was listening to Brittany Brown's podcast with Melinda Gates, and they were talking about some of the stats coming out of the World Economic Forum and, and looking at equity and equitability, um, equality, um, and saying in the States, and I have to look at it for the UK, we're 208 years away from, from equity. You know, so yeah. it's not even our grandchildren's grandchildren's grandchildren. You know, you know, it's when we think about things like that, it's how that is a big, that's a long way away. And and also, this is another conversation, that it it isn't actually a dualism of gender. That I suppose maybe it is at this point, but actually there isn't a dualism of, of gender anymore. Yeah. You know, yeah. there, if, if we think about our different associations of um, gender and sexuality, actually, is that even a dualism anymore? I think it depends on which parts of society you, you're in. Mm. But I do think in organisational society, yeah. there's, there's definitely that kind of, that, that lack of integration. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, on, on the... On the gender side, or you know, the idea of feminine and, and, and masculine, I was thinking again of Jung, Carl Jung, and the idea of animus and anima. And that's still kind of with us, this idea that anima, that kind of repressed female um, aspect of men, is, is still associated with uh, creativity, receptivity, relationships, wholeness. You know, the feminine is strongly associated with that in leadership. And so there's an expectation that women leaders will carry more of that in their style. And then the animus, the repressed kind of shadow masculine inside the woman, that masculine thing is, is thought, action, power, and speaking out your own agenda and your own needs. And you can see that there's a growing integration of that. There's a, there, there, there's there's yeah. there's more um, there's more things being seen that allow for that to be much more present, um, and that which is kind of what you're talking about. Some of the collapse of some of that gender stereotypical role, um, and yet there's still the disparity and and and, and differences in it you know, in terms of actual men and women who are leading organisations. And, and that's the traits, isn't it? It's about, yeah, that empathy. You know, Jacinda, I'll mention her 753 times in this podcast, but um, it's empathic concern. It's, it's, we saw it not just with, um, with the pandemic, but with Christchurch, the genuine, the genuineness, the generous, the generosity and the authenticity. Yeah. The generosity of compassion and having mm -hmm. the virtue of compassion and demonstrating compassion and feeling wholly comfortable to demonstrate that compassion and not do it behind closed doors and not feel it's appropriate in yes. certain circumstances. That was the, it was like, you know, let me embrace you. You know, I want to embrace you. And there's her her voice when you listen just feels it, it feels heart-centered and everything that you heard from the pandemic and her handling of Christchurch there's a heart-centeredness to it that mm -hmm. is a real virtue of compassion and um 
and passion kind of is it can be quite sort of jaggy I think I think Daniela Port says that it can be quite jaggy but compassion even the word is round and it's just she you can see people do that they just have their they hold things and that's a you know that empathic concern that that courage to see you know this is how it is this this isn't great this is you know this is a pandemic we do not want to lose any more people but I think and so there's a decisiveness it felt like decisions were being made and we you know this isn't I I know I've mentioned Jacinda but we saw this you know I would say even in in Nicola I would say in the Finnish government I would say with with Merkel um but there it feels that sort of that element of leadership is we've got this I'm not saying I've got this, but we've got this. Anita Roddick used to talk about a woman's way of knowing. That was one of her ideas about leadership, which was there's just something that is a woman's way of knowing. It's um, it's raw. It's more of herself open to the environment that allows her to just see different other layers. Um, and... Interesting for me, though, if, 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 if the academic is saying that it's similar traits between male and female in leadership, they are similar. I do think, though, one difference that could definitely happen as a result of women in leadership, though, is a more female-empowered organisation. Yeah. Yeah. One of the ups and downsides of empathy is that we do build rapport and empathy with people who are more like us. That's Mm -hmm. academic. Mm -hmm. And so trying to get sometimes a bunch of well-meaning men to try and get the numbers up um, might be counterproductive rather than actually when you've got female leaders in authority who are saying, this is what it takes to start to get the percentages rising in the organization. This is what it takes to access that 50% of the skill base that we haven't learned how to do yet societally um, in a different way. So so you would hope that actually a real advantage to having more women in leadership is that you'll then have more women in leadership and that they would allow that to grow. And interestingly enough, um, I, um, I've heard the story of those ambitious women who are renowned for pulling the ladder up behind them, you know, like as they climb, they pull the ladder up behind them. And I haven't seen much evidence of it. Mm-hmm. Seeing the executives I coach and how they work, they are very pro-balanced executive teams, very pro-having uh, opportunities given to uh, people like them rather than actually that competitive issue that I think is spread around. Of course, you've got some women who'll do that, but I don't think it's that common and certainly not today. I agree. It feels that there's, rather than lifting the ladder up, it's lifting others up. You know, there's there's a real sort of that embracing element of we've got this. There's weaver. So the things that are coming to me, I suppose, as a dualism by the baby is we versus I, self-awareness versus self-belief, um, showing up versus being seen. Yes. 
you know, it feels that those sort of things are the things that we're talking about and may, may that fill in, fit into a gender container, perhaps. Um, but yeah, I think there's, there's a, yeah, I haven't seen that many ladders being wheeled away from anyone. I was thinking, I, I, I did an interview recently with a, um, a, 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 an, an executive, a banking executive, a woman who was known and renowned for developing the women behind her. And that was kind of a reputation, which was that she was really generous and developmental and, and mentoring of up and coming younger female leaders. But when you look objectively at it, she developed just as many men. It's just that she stood out for finding her way to navigate the patricide in which she found herself in the banking industry to create a balanced approach. And so it occurred to people that she was very focused on developing women. When statistically it was about 50-50, I've seen just as many men being developed by her as women but she found a way to navigate the pressure on her to favor the masculine and instead really provide a balanced approach. I just thought it was incredible to watch, really impressive individual. Wow, I've actually, I've got that written down to um, watch that interview this weekend, I'm very excited. Um, yeah. And I think that, as you say, we've seen amazing leaders and, you know, a lot of the stats say that, well, I mean, if we look at just the handling of the crisis, if we said, you know, yep, countries do better because they have women in charge. Bold statement, Kirsty Mack, but I'll put it out there. Yeah. Um, but countries have women in charge because they're already doing better. You know, is, is that the thing is that, that we have a perception of actually women can be in charge. And so the, the soup that we're swimming in is more receptive to it. And so there's your paradoxical, is it because of the women or is it because of the situation, I suppose you could say it's an and and not an or. Um, so if there is less sexism, if there is more inclusivity, if there is the glass ceilings being shattered and there are no glass ceilings now because we're not in a freaking office. Um, yeah. But if, <laughs> if there's none of those that exist, if, if those blockages aren't there, then perhaps it has been provocative again, easier for the female to be in charge of the country, perhaps. Does that not raise like an interesting thing for you in terms of, see, as, as we're talking about this, my unease in all of this is, do we help the case by drawing attention to it? Mm -hmm. Or do we keep it perpetuated as a thing? You know? Yeah, and, I've been asked this a lot. And women in yeah. business. Yeah, it's kind of like um, I, I've worked for large multinationals who have started off like women in, you know, the name of their company and women's groups and women's support leadership groups. And I've known a fair amount of the really high performing female executives avoid those organizations and avoid those things. Um, because it kind of advocates as the message continuing that there's disadvantage or that it's needed. But then what if it is, you know, and, and I, I remember being in, I had a um, executive development role in a large multinational 
And in my first three weeks, we were involved in a strategy meeting for how we were going to develop the next level of high potential executives. And there was 15 men and four women on it. I saw the list. So coming from the body shop, of course, um, and I think they were expecting me to say it, but I said, your, your, your list feels a little out of balance. And um, they said, we're just, we went through the process and this is kind of what we came up with. It's kind of proportional to the amount of men and women that are actually in leadership across the, the business. And I said, so either we accept that women are thicker and less capable of than men to uh, at the extent of times four, um, or do we think that there might be something cultural or um, societal or in our own psyches that favors male skills over female skills. And um, they were saying, so you're suggesting positive discrimination to get the numbers up. I said, I am suggesting that particular act, yes, indeed, but I don't want you to call it positive discrimination anymore. I'd like you to call it righting the wrongs of a culture which has gone a bit off the rails. And so we had that debate. And I, of course I was compromised in it too, you know, it's really, really tough for a man to get bypassed for a job by a less qualified woman who gets it in his place because some other executives trying to get their numbers up. Um, I don't like that. And you have to watch for that. But um, you also have to take into account that our women a quarter of the capability and intelligence guys. And therefore, that's why the numbers reflect that. And of course, it's not. It's just that's just like common everyday breathing oxygen type common sense that you don't accept that as well so but I must admit I am drawn I am stuck in that world of do we make it so more so by talking about it or actually we have to talk about it because the statistics are right there and something's going on yeah I suppose it goes back to your point previously, is it right? it's right to ask the question. And it's to right to ask multiple questions. So I kind of see a box now where we're going round. We're in and out of the box, but we're kind of going round it and seeing it from different perspectives. And I was often asked, and I'd be asked to talk at a lot of women in business, um, conventions and conferences. And um, when I'm asked the question, which is usually, you know, do you feel disadvantaged? Um, I would say no. Now, maybe my circumstances are different. I, I have my own company and it's different. But it's going to the point of if I think I am, then I my lens on reality is different. And what I don't want this in, it was just like, well, you must have been compromised in this way and this way and say, well, I, I haven't. And I appreciate that. I'm super lucky that I haven't. But if we can keep it, it's, it's right to have the conversation, but it's the tone of the conversation. You know, it's how do we change the tone of the conversation to to take action rather than beat up? You know, and, yes. and how do we, it's like what you were saying um, when we went to the future, when you were talking about sustainability and the climate change. It's like, it's not that humans have been doing it wrong. Now, all of a sudden in the future, we're going to be saying, okay, well, we've proved that we can do some, some things right. And so how do we learn from that? How can we do that? And so I think it's that this whole thing about Mother Teresa and the anti-war rally or a peace rally you want to go to the peace rally rather than anti-war and so it's about the tone of the conversation the level of the conversation and and I appreciate that this might be really probing some people as I say that um 
it, that that just sits with me and saying, you know, I, I appreciate that it occurs. And I think we continue having the conversation, but I don't want to do it with an axe. You know, it felt combative. And I don't yes. want to, I'm, I'm not in that space. Mm-hmm. That doesn't yeah. feel right to me. I, I, it feels right that we have good conversations, the conversations that are the kind of things that are in the fabric of the wallpaper that nobody, but if you peel at it, you can see there's a ton of stuff behind it. Let's have those going, but let's not let's not fight about it. Right, let's not make a simple dualism that there's a yes. bunch of bad men out there consciously strategizing to keep women down. Mm. Um, but actually, we still need to be prepared because there are some bad men out there who are strategically trying to keep women down. Yeah. Yeah. And so we we need to we need to be able to ask the question and. Um, like, uh, and, and you see you see progress like I am watching Peaky Blinders at the moment have you seen it I knew you would get a TV reference in here I'd be disappointed if you didn't two box episodes a day like we do a lunchtime and a dinner time and it's just it's a lockdown habit but I'm not breaking it I'm going to keep that I'll tell you but okay, okay. Um, Polly Gray in Peaky Blinders here you've got a well-rounded character you know, and I'm looking at like Carrie Matheson in Homeland, Carol Pelletier, The Walking Dead, Mystique in X-Men, Abigail Bartlett in The West Wing. Like women characters who are no longer portrayed in a singular role for a woman, but they're actually portrayed as fully um, thought out, shadow and light, good and evil characters. They've got all of the stuff in them. And, and I'm seeing that wasn't there when I was watching television as a teenager. Mm-hmm. I'm not seeing, I'm seeing a different quality and it's maybe because yeah. some of the Hollywood writers are doing some work on themselves or it's maybe because some of the Hollywood writers are now women. Mm-hmm. But we're starting to see some of that and it took me back to kind of university times and Carl Jung. And um, I'm not sure if you've kind of aware of this, but that Carl Jung so he, he's the animus anima guy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he basically says, you know, a man's ability to handle being with a woman, to relate to a woman, has a lot to do with how much he's developed the anima inside of himself. How much he's developed that female aspect of his own character. And Carl Jung actually had four levels of development for men. And and he gave them all women's names. And the first level is Eve. And that's basically where you could see a woman as a source of nurture, a source of comfort and security. And and I can't really function without her, but that's my relationship to women. And then on a step of development in the anima would be Helen, like Helen of Troy, which is women have got agency in the world. There's some things that they're really good at, success, self-reliance, intelligent, insightful, though I'm not sure if they're actually virtuous underneath. Like morality-wise, not sure where they're coming from or if they're still kind of dangerous. And I wonder if some of that development is occurring in the business world is that, you know, we're second-guessing a woman's intentions unfairly. And then the third stage for a man to develop is the Mary stage, which is, of course, based on uh, the Virgin Mary. But it's basically, yes, women do have virtue inside, but largely because they're chaste and they are controlling the excesses, their behavior. But I can see their virtue. And he said the final one, he would call it Sophia, 
which is the Greek word for wisdom, which is I now can see a woman as a fully formed human being that has subconscious and conscious, that has good traits and evil traits, that is right and wrong, and that has a source of women's wisdom that they can bring to any situation that is unique and wonderful to that gender, but as powerful as anything that's in a man. And that's Sophia. And that's where there's a, an equality start from. And that allows me to have a female boss. It allows me to have somebody that I look up to for context and for ways of working. And, and I wonder if we're now starting to get to a point in entertainment where we're putting more of those Sophia characters up front and in the business. And, and, and I wonder if it's going to roll over to where we have increasingly women lauded not because they're a spectacular standout, but just they're a human being that's got wisdom and great skills for it. And they've got good and bad traits and same as anybody else. And therefore they get to be there just on that merit because the patricide, the thing that mostly men have created, which is the majority of the business world is developing enough that it can receive that from a woman. Wow. So we're going to see more Sophia. I think when I think of when you're talking about females in the entertainment industry, I think about Ava DuVernay and, and the wonderful work and she and her company, um, Are, Are now? Are, um, is, is all about parity, is all about equity and ensuring that there is a female voice and there's more yes. Sophia, there's more wisdom, there's more. And, and actually, like entertainment is, in a sense, counterculture, isn't it? Because... But if we then see it, you know, it kind of wraps around us entertainment. And, and then if we start to see it and then it starts to permeate. And so maybe that industry, well, which is a business in and of itself, goes there first. And then we see it coming through and permeating into other areas of business. Yeah. If we start to see it on our screens, if we start to see our children talking in a different way and, and seeing and being aware of different perceptions, then actually it starts coming into the corporate sense of things. I, I think that. What, what do you think we should all be asking ourselves, Kirsty? What do you think we should, you know, entertainment, as you're saying, it's now pervading, it's around us, it's yeah. an industry, it's influencing us with this. Um, and here we are in the business world and, and government world with 24% women leaders. Mm -hmm. What question do you think we should be asking ourselves to be in or asking the listeners to be in about this? I think asking, taking, paying attention, you know, paying attention as you look around, is there some disparity there in your work? Is there some disparity there in your, in your community? Are your lenses biased? You know, are you aware of your own unconscious bias? You know, there's something like 144 different biases that have been recorded. Maybe you've been upset by something we said. Go there. Mm. You know, did I say something that provoked you? Did Jim say something that provoked you? What was that? Mm -hmm. You know, it's not yeah. our intention to upset, but maybe it's our intention to provoke and get you to think about your thinking. And yeah, that provokes you. That, yeah. that the provokes there. you reveals your thinking. It does. Absolutely. That's how you know what you believe because of something prodding it. Um, yeah. And and was there a bit where Kirsty and I left out 
half a story? Did we tell the story sometimes just from the feminine point of view? And did we miss out a story that you also want told? Then, then tell it. Be in that space of it. But yeah, I, I think that's a great question to be in. What's what's provoked you in this? Um, mm. What are you missing? Mm. Um, and and where are you in developing the genders inside of you? How do you really feel about female power over the top of you? It's only a couple of questions to ask, right? <laughs> only a couple. And I think, you know, what I love about what you're doing and um, some of the stuff in your library is giving people a bit of time for reflection. And I know that people do that because they write to us and they tell us, but even just now, just take a moment to know what those questions kind of cause you to think about and to see the traits that we've seen in the world that we can, you know, maybe it is about how do we show up rather than how we're seen. So let me ask those questions again. Is there disparity in your place of work or community? And might your lenses be biased? Where are you on the development of the alternative gender inside of you? Where are you with your animus or your anima? Is there something in your lenses that has been provoked and why? And what would it be like to reflect on that in terms of how you consider men and women in leadership? Won't you be my sister? Mark me as a ripple, make me a piercing drop, just so I can be but a note of froth at the lip of a wave and the roar of this cresting ocean. Name me breath, know me as air, dancing nude in the three tops, just so I can be but a sigh in the cry of this changing wind. Call me heat, claim me red, of flash writhing in fervours, just so I can be but a spark in the pulse of a newborn flame. Hear me as a woman, have me as your sister, on purpled battlefield breaking day, so I might say our victory is just beginning, that you and I are women, no longer trying to woo men, holding the truth to be self-evident, that all genders are created equal. See me as change, say I am movement, that I am the year and I am the era of the woman. Amanda Gorman.